If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to RASC's Australian Business Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who dare to leave the world in a better place and get paid while we do it. This podcast will make you a better business owner, investor, founder, or entrepreneur. If you want to start a business or already have one, please subscribe to the series or share it with your friends, business partner, or colleagues. And don't forget to consider taking our free business course, which includes heaps of templates for creating business plans, HR documents, employee files, all of my software recommendations, and more. The course is completely free and available via the link in your podcast player. Okay, let's get into the episode. Uh, Karan, thanks for taking some time to join me. Great to be here, Owen. Thank you so much. We're going to talk tech. We're going to talk business. Yep. We're going to talk your story. But first of all, I've, I always ask uh, the teams of the guests who come on the show if they can give me some sort of insight or something just to make my uh, guests smile. And Haley sent over this uh, link to your LinkedIn that shows <laughs> you accepting an award. And I think this was last night and you look very happy with this. So innovator of the year, you, pre- you were presented this award uh, on behalf of Henry. Can you speak to that for us? Uh, yeah, so the Australian Business Forum runs an event. Oh, it's very flattering of her, but I, I, I did put it on my LinkedIn. So, <laughs> so yeah. So you know that's my fault. Um, <laughs> they uh, the Australian Business Forum runs an event once a year, sponsored by ComBank, um, and they hand out awards for people who are, you know young heroes, so fall within a certain range. And so I was lucky enough to pick up the Innovator of the Award, uh, Innovator of the Year, yep. on behalf of Henry. Yep, twenty twenty three. Yeah, and I got to got to put the suit on. It's not something I do very often anymore. Yeah, you got they, the hoodie and the t shirt on I, today. Well, look, I, I was happy mostly in that picture because the suit still fits. Right, that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I've got three suits and none of them fit. So, I'm, I'm, I'm being genuine. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm recently married, so I think uh, you know that. Give the, it a few the, years. Well, the the, the weight management. Right now is is being kept well in check. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, um, so we're going to touch a little bit about you in just a minute. But um, first of all, can you give us the story of Henry? Sure. Henry without an E for yes. people that don't know it. Um, where does it start? Where did it start? What is the story up until now, and yep. where are you today? Yeah, sure. So Henry was founded uh, about six years ago in Wellington in New Zealand. So our two founders, Claire and James Fuller, uh, same surname because they're married, mm-hmm. um, they were contractors at the time. So they jumped, they were living in the UK, they moved back to New Zealand, um, decided to get into contracting for the reason a lot of people do, right? Like you get more flexibility and you earn more money. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really sure what they were going to do from this sort of mid-career professionals, not sure what they were going to do next. And with those benefits of contracting come the detractions as well, which is the financial admin, the tax burden, Mm. and everything else that goes with that. And so they 
spoke to some friends, spoke to some accountants, got some, I don't think it was misleading advice as much as it was over the top advice on how they should manage their financial situation, which is set up a company, make sure you're compliant on these things. And a lot of it for really simple contracting cases like theirs, it's overcomplicated because accountants can monetize yeah, um, that absolutely. customer base better, right? I've so, that experience. Yeah. Right. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. So they very quickly switched into their both pretty smart operators, clearly, given what they've built since then. Um, going, look, we could probably handle this ourselves. We'll start a few spreadsheets, keep tabs on it, do our own calculations. Um, fast forward that sort of a year or so, and they had more friends coming into contracting going, look, what are you doing with this financial mm. admin side of things? And they said, look, I've got some spreadsheets. Take the spreadsheets, use it yourself. And depending on which version of revisionist history you subscribe to, <laughs> someone had the bright spark in the shower or a startup accelerator or a friend mentioned it, um, but they realized there was a business here. And I think the story, which is true, um, they knocked up a, a you know a, a, a landing page on Wix.com or something, mm-hmm. uh, tidied up the, the Google Sheets and uh, put up a $100 ad on Twitter and signed up our first 40 users. Um, and from there, like, like that, we have never been able to match that ROI since then, by the way. Uh, so, um, especially on Twitter. Um, so, but since then, we've just grown meteorically. So, um, we uh, are now New Zealand's largest specialist accountancy. We're not quite sure, but we think by number of customers, we're probably the largest accountancy in New Zealand. Um, we moved into the Australian market uh, just over two years ago, and we've seen some tremendous growth and opportunity here. Um, if I just talk about the service yeah, briefly, sure. if you want me to. So every the, the principal problem that Henry solves is for the self-employed people of Australia and New Zealand. It's a you know addressable market of almost 2 million, and it's growing by about 50,000 or 60,000 new customers a year across the region. And really, the, the, the primary thing that you solve, if you think about when you move from salaried employment to self-employment, is you go from earning net pay to earning gross pay. Mm. And for a lot of people, that's an incredibly jarring experience, right? When you're just used to your employer dealing with the tax treatment of the income that flows into you, to you now having the burden, you know, what will happen? You you won't do anything differently with the money. So you get to the end of the year, you you or your accountant will lodge your tax return and the tax man will turn around and go, you owe me 20 grand, mate. Mm. And you don't have 20 grand sitting around. So all of a sudden you go into tax debt. So what we're trying to do from the outset is get people compliant. And so when you sign up to Henry, you get given a Henry bank account. It's a small B bank account. It's a, it's a pass-through account. And so when the money flows into that account, we will automatically calculate the right amount of income tax, Medicare levy, GST if relevant, student loan if you want to make an allocation to your superannuation fund, a high interest savings fund. Money comes in, it's automatically distributed to those different sources. And the post-tax amount goes straight into your personal account. So what you receive in your bank account is yours to spend, mm. and that tax headache is gone every time you get paid. The second thing is the Henry app, which is tools for freelancers and contractors to run their businesses with. So quoting, invoicing, uploading expenses to get tax relief, access to reporting. It's incredibly difficult for self-employed people to get access to credit or lending. Mm. You need an accountant to authorize your financials. We are their accountants, and that's the third part. So we are a registered tax agency. We do our clients' accounting work for them. So we lodge their monthly or quarterly bases. We do their annual uh, income tax returns. They get a nasty letter from the ATO. We're the ones that deal with it on their behalf. Um, and our our revenue model or our fee model is we don't charge a subscription. We charge a clip on the ticket. So it's 1% 
of the income that flows in capped at 1500 bucks. And the reason we do that is because for a lot of people, freelancing is a lifestyle choice. Mm. And a lot of our customers, you know, credit to them, have the benefit of either going in and out of freelancing or they'll work eight months a year and be like, you know what, I've actually done quite well this year. I'm going to take four months off. We don't believe you should pay for a service when you're not using it. And so we only get paid when you get paid. That's the origin. So we carry a lot of commercial risk around that. But um, there's a big principle in the business around fairness. And we think that's how the fairness plays out in that mm. we should only get paid when you get paid. So 1%, just to summarize, 1%, you create this like pass-through bank account. Yep. And that can send money off in different directions. Yep. Uh, and you file it, you do the tax returns for your customers. Yep. Um, and it automatically calculates GST, BAS, all those things yep. you have to pay it. Yep. Okay. Yep. And it's 1%. Yep. 1%. That's pretty compelling. Yeah. Well, I think so. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're, we've been successful because we think it is, right? Um, and I, I, I should point out that, like, um, when you're earning a salary income, you're earning a casual income, and then you take on self-employed income. So there's tax being taken out, there's tax not being taken out. Um, if you're mathematically astute, you could probably go, oh, I could probably work that out, but it's time taken. Mm. And then if you've got a high frequency of payments, so some of our customers will run Shopify stores and they're getting multiple payments every day. They're not sitting there updating like what my effective tax rate should be on each payment that comes through and provisioning the right amount of money. Um, that's what we do. That's what the smarts of the Henry algorithm does, right? It is every payment that comes in, it is reforecasting your annual income and then working out what your effective tax rate should be and then making sure the right amount of tax is being taken out and paid off to the ATO in your account. Mm. What are the types of customers, so from industries or professions that you are most common on the platform? Uh, it's really broad, right? So self-employment cuts across every single sector of the economy. But if I was to sort of rattle off the top four or five customer segments, so um, creative freelancers. So we have a lot of graphic designers, videographers, photographers, marketing and brand people, um, tradies, unsurprisingly, mm -hmm. um, right? Obviously, particularly in Australia, it's a and, and New Zealand for that matter, a huge trading market. Um, health and wellness workers, um, really fast growing segment for us, particularly people working through and around the NDIS. Mm -hmm. um, uh, white what we call white collar contractors, so everything from um, barristers to management consultants through to um, systems analysts and software developers, and then um, lots and lots of gig workers as well, right? Uber drivers, DoorDash drivers, and the like. Mm. You're speaking of consultants. Your background's consulting, right? Yep. So how did you come to be in charge of the Australian team? Uh, so I was looking for an exit from consulting. Um, I was at the sort of tipping point where you've got a sort of, I was at Deloitte for about a decade um, and you've got a, you get to a point where you've got to sort of commit to the next few years. Um, and I just couldn't see myself um, getting passionate about that line of work anymore. Mm. I think uh, we live in a generation that's extremely blessed when they tell the story of the early 21st century, perhaps, or you know, take a little bit longer. They're not going to tell the story of um, you know Trump or Obama or anything like that. They're going to tell the story of where software ate the world, or where tech took a big, the most dramatic shift in history. And I was sort of reflecting, thinking about the next decade of my life, going, where do I want to play? Do I want to play in professional services where it's frankly quite a outdated business model? You're charging humans at a margin. That's mm. what how professional services work, firms work, right? Mm. Whereas 
um, the technology and its potential to do good on scale is really compelling. And it was just by chance that I came across Henry was looking to hire a head of Australia at the time, making its first foray into the Australian market. I got connected to uh, Justin Lipman, who sits on the Henry's board. He's uh, a partner at EVP and Henry's largest external investor, who connected me with James Fuller, our co-founder and CEO, and we hit it off. Um, and two weeks later, I had a job offer and haven't looked back since. Yeah, great. Are you able to tell us how many people use the platform? Uh, so uh, we don't release numbers, but... Um, you seem like a nice guy, Owen. So uh, <laughs> in Australia, we've signed up uh, more than 30,000 customers. Wow. Um, you know, active customer count varies. Obviously, it's freelancing. Yeah. Um, so that's- It's pretty big for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's, it's been a really good run, but we still feel like, you know, a market of 1.5 million people in Australia growing very quickly. We're only scratching the surface at the moment. Mm. So a natural question then is like, so this is mainly for sole traders, contractors, yep. people like this, subbies if you're a yep. tradie. What about people that have slightly more complicated situations? So maybe like they have a company structure mm -hmm. in place and that's yep. fair enough for their situation. Yep. Can they use it? Uh, not, not yet. It's something that is on our roadmap to look at. We're not sure to what extent we'd enter that segment. Um, uh, you know, just coming back to my previous point that we are really good at what we're really good at, which is serving ABN sole traders. Um, and that market is quite deep. We've only scratched the surface. It's growing really quickly. Um, w there may be a pull through some of our, like um, we have a really strong sort of go-to-market uh, approach with a, with a partner network. And through the partner network, there may be organic opportunities for us to try and think about adjacent segments like very simple sole director companies um, but uh, like we are squarely focused on like the value proposition for this core customer segment at the moment. Mm. So why, okay, so this probably answers the question, but why doesn't someone, because I imagine you get this question a hundred times a day, yeah. why doesn't someone go to zero or QuickBooks? Why do they come to Henry? Yeah, that's good. It's a good, I mean, look, I mean, I do like zero is the most often compared company to us, right? And um we are we're big fans of theirs in the sense of like you know what they've been able to do over the course of the last 20 odd years is incredible like you know also a wellington founded company now gone global and credit to them and where they play in the you know sme to sort of larger company not enterprise but a huge enterprise but they've, they've really created a dominant position for themselves there's um there's probably a couple of things I'd say, right, about the differences between Henry and Zero. So from a product design perspective, we're actually philosophically the opposite. So Zero uses a bank feed model. So they're essentially replicating your bank account and mirroring it, porting it into Zero. So there's a, uh, a set of transaction records available for you. If you think about why that's been created that way, because Zero is principally software created so accountants can manage their small business clients. So the small business themselves will go out and do their business, get paid into their business bank account. The transactions will come into zero, and then the accountant can look through those transactions and go, I'm coding it to this you know, general ledger code, whatever it is, right? And then from there, the accountant will calculate the effective tax rate through a lodgement and then tell the client, you owe the ATO this much money. Yeah. We take the opposite approach in that we replace the accountant. We are your accountant as well, right? And what we're trying to do 
is get you compliant from the outset, particularly where you don't have the cash flow available for you to go, well, I'm just going to keep 30, 40% of my income aside at such event when I have to, when the tax event is available, because I'm not a large, I'm not a larger company because we're only dealing with self-employed people. So that's the reason we don't do bank feeds. We are the pass-through bank account. Mm. And so the tax event is treated at the point that the payment comes in. So before our customer sees the money, the tax is already being taken out, right? So like at the starting outset, philosophically, we're the opposite. And if you start from that point, then the next um, big difference is the method of distribution. Zero's primary distribution channel is accountants. Ours is direct to customers, right? Because we are their accountants as well. And so there's another big divide there in a, in a you know pretty different approach to market. And then of course we we stick to our lane, right? Yep. We only look after self-employed people. I think Zero is is a really good product for companies um, where you are, you know, I've got staff, I've got, and I'm looking to grow and uh, expand my company. If you've got the needs of a lifestyle sole trader who is, you know, I'm happy trading by myself, I'm being self-employed, running under my ABN, you're going to be paying too much for zero on an accountant and it's far too complex. You're paying for things you're not going to need. Um, Henry has been custom built to serve people who operate under this structure. Mm. So, so I've got a couple of friends that uh, operate businesses that they're sole traders, but they have other contractors that might work for them yeah. um and i'm assuming so they're not company structure maybe you could debate some of them should be yeah but they that's all, all still handled through henry yeah um so uh we don't have a payroll function inbuilt in henry we have a partnership with a third party called paysource at the moment right. where um, essentially you run paysource for your payroll but then they'll port the information back to us so we can complete your baz because you need to report payroll information but if you're paying subcontractors, it's, it's basically like, so it's, expense. You know, it's a business expense, right? And so yeah. you just claim the business expense through Henry and we'll get you a tax relief on that. Yeah, great. Um, so this, the, the bank account in particular that's set up, so this doesn't earn interest because money goes somewhere else. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the bank account nets out to zero almost instantaneously, right? So we don't hold money at all. Right. So the money comes in, uh, it goes... Yeah, literally within 30 seconds, it's an automated process. Go see ATO, go see your account. It's yeah. done. So it's not earning interest because it's not sitting with us at all. Yeah, right. Um, with within Henry, can you um, take like can you take that money and send it somewhere else? So you said like a high interest savings account. Yep. Could you send it to like an investing account, for yep. example? Yep, you can. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a feature called allocations, um, and for for most sole traders. Um, superannuation is not compulsory, right? So you actually have to voluntarily contribute to your super. Mm. And, you know, we know, I don't need to tell you or your listeners how important superannuation is. Um, and so we've got a feature called an allocation feature where a percentage of your income can go to another account. And so most of our customers will use that to contribute to their super. But then you can also just send it to, so we've got partnerships set up with Sharesy, Stockspot, Stake, mm. and a lot of our customers, uh, amongst others, will send um, money automatically into those accounts. So Stockspot, as the example, it'll go into their Stockspot account and then whenever you reach whatever hurdle, they'll just auto-invest that, similar with Sharesies as well, right? So mm. a lot of our customers do opt into that feature. The The principal use case, though, is for super. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, that, that all makes a lot of sense. How about in terms of the tax returns that you do? Like, obviously, one benefit of having an accountant is that you can ask them the questions, the dumb yep. questions that probably aren't that dumb that you need an answer to or you're just unsure about. How does that work? You say like Henry's like a like an accountant yep. as well. 
how does that like how does that factor yeah, in? Sure. So we we employ a team of chartered accountants who work for us, right? It's not it's not outsourced. There are people on our payroll who work exclusively for Henry. So at any given point, if a customer has a question throughout the year, you can jump on the chat, send in an email, book a call with one of our accountants. They are available business hours throughout the year. Um, you have unfettered access um, to them. There's no limit on the number of calls you can place or emails you can send. Um, and they will answer any question you have in the same way that you would engage your own tax agent separately as well. Um, the benefit our team has as well is that they are absolute specialists in self-employment. Um, so what you'll find is with a lot of other accounting firms is they're dealing with, you know, a hundred different entity structures at any given point. Whereas our team is purely dealing with people who are sole traders. And so the things you're looking for and, you know, ability to claim X, Y, Z, or should I trade in this way? Or should I, you know, my friend told me that if I set blah, blah thing up, I can get blah, blah advantage. Like our team know those things, right? How about if someone had like um, a job like PAYG and yep. then a side hustle, which yep. was run through Henry? Yep. Yeah, that's that's probably forty percent of our customer base. Yeah, right. Um, and so the way it'll work is um, when you sign up, uh, if you are currently earning a salary or casual income or have throughout the year, we ask you for that. Um, so we need to know it because we've got to set your tax rate on your self-employed income. And throughout the year, if that changes, you just got to update us. Mm-hmm. Um, then when we get to your tax return, um, your filing time, we'll get your pre-fill anyway from the ATO. Yeah. And so if there's any variation on that, we'll be able to basically true it up for you at the end of the year. But it's really important for all of our customers that if they're on a salary or they go on a salary, be it part-time or full-time throughout the year, um, we prompt them about this um, heavily throughout the process. They got to tell us, right? They got to tell us because we got to get their tax rate right. But it's something that they're mostly pretty accustomed to, right? Like, you know, like anything, when you're new to the service, there's a couple of, you know, jarring points in, in the process trying to learn how it works. But this is one that we 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 front foot pretty pretty strongly because we got to make sure we get your tax rate right from the outset. And after that, it's a pretty intuitive user experience. Mm, yeah, uh, I've got a few other questions, um, and they're more just around like your beliefs around business and these yeah. types of things. But um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, I've got in my notes here, is that it seems like I'm, I'm a long time investor in Zero uh, Confession, um, and a lot of tech companies for that matter. But um, like even since Zero's inception was like 2007 or whatever, and then the last five years, like a lot has changed. Yep. Like a lot of platforms, a lot of innovative fintechs have come to market and scaled like Henry, right? Yep. So I'm curious how you see this all going. We had the ATO assistant commissioner in here this morning, Tim Lowe, mentioned that. He was in the studio just sitting where you are. Yep. And he was saying like, some of the stuff here is like really like the incredible technology that is yeah. available now. I'm curious as someone that's like at the coal face and leading a business in this way, where might we be? Like just doesn't have, where could we be? I guess it's not yeah. set in stone, but where could we be? Yeah. Uh, it's a great question, right? Uh, let me put on my, my <laughs> forecasting hat, my forecasting turban. Um, <laughs> I think probably the way I, I look at it is like, you know, probably like you, Owen, sort of looking at, technology cycles and hype cycles over the last decade or so. Mm. And we run through you know, various different ones. And if we just think about just, if we just zoom on to one from like two or three years ago, blockchain, right? Yeah. Which was 
couldn't you couldn't finish a conversation at a pub without someone talking about blockchain, right? Some crypto, and then it, then they became crypto bros and whatever it was, right? Yeah. And then now we're absolutely in the AI generative AI space. I think if we compare those two, right? Like, and I would just think without any empirical data to support this, but the difference between hype versus reality, and we can almost do a little bit of analysis around blockchain because the hype cycle on blockchain is really now sort of on the, there's still plenty of use cases still relevant and will last, but the hype that was blockchain in 2016, 17, 18 versus what it is now versus where AI and generative AI is versus where it might be. What I think is the long-term hype versus reality gap in generative AI will be a lot less than blockchain. By that, what I mean is that I think there's so much more potential and stuff that will stick like the developments in artificial intelligence in the last six or seven months almost exceed what we had in the last six years, right? Mm. And what it's triggering from a uh, thought leadership perspective, from an investment perspective, from a delivery perspective is just incredible. Like we're looking at it now ourselves going, how can we speed up payment processing? How can we improve effectiveness and efficiency of our customer support teams? How can we think about how we use... Um, uh, data in, in in more interesting and compelling ways to create more value for our customers, right? And that's just a few months of, of ChatGPT being available. So I actually think we're mm. probably getting into another wave over the next couple of years of just absolute transformative tech that'll come to market, things we just haven't thought of on the back of this generative AI revolution. I'm really, really excited about it. I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be super exciting. Mm. Um, particularly as a consumer, like, you know, one of the things you want is just to get rid of a lot of the mundane things in your life. We do that. Mm. Getting rid of tax and compliance. Yeah. So the more mundane things, like even I think like I talk about like let's take a very basic example. I think about like drafting job ads. Like hmm. I don't know if you tried ChatGPT for a job ad. No. You literally two sentences and it will produce a job ad better than a graduate, you know, <laughs> at Deloitte would. Um, and it'll take, it takes us 30 seconds. And I'm like, cool, I've got an 80% draft here. I've just got to tidy this up. And it goes online. Like that's a huge time saving. Like for me, I don't, I'm not drafting job ads on a daily basis. We have a HR team. But for them, like it just improves their productivity and efficiency. And if you just multiply that by 20, 30, 40 use cases in a company like us, 100 people, just under 100 people, like that's, that's, that's transformative. Mm. Absolutely. And good, good illustration of it yeah. as well. Okay. I've got um, two final questions, but we hear statistics. You mentioned before that the sole trader market is growing pretty fast, uh, 50,000. And if you include micro businesses, which are a bit bigger or small businesses, um, you get over 2 million just here in Australia, uh, not to mention overseas as well. But no matter where you seem to go, a lot of small businesses fail, like a lot. Um, a lot don't blow out the candles on their fifth birthday, for example. And I'm just curious what you think some of the reasons might be. Uh, great question. Uh, there's an inherent amount of risk that you take uh, with being a founder, right? Like you have to have a belief which is so askew with everyone else in society that this conviction I have around this business um, is is very different because it doesn't exist and therefore like I, I have to go against the grain at any, any given point. And I even think about us now, we've raised almost $60 million in venture funding, but with every cap raise comes a different level of expectations and you're not necessarily betting the house every single time, but you're still placing big bets. 
and you hope that none of them result result in failure mm. but they will if if one or two of them don't come off they will seriously damage your trajectory right and that's just magnified when you're early stage i think there's probably a couple of things at least just my observations of the the tech industry in early stage tech is that um, it's probably nothing that I'm saying, which is revolutionary or new, but perhaps worth reinforcing is um, uh, people get very excited about things which are not related to, frankly, making money, right? Yeah. And so, like, early stage business is just about cash flow. Like, you've got to make sure it's not just me finding customers and customers with vanity metrics. It's are you monetizing those customers? And secondly, there's a huge distraction around um, and credit to the VC industry who've been able to make themselves so self-important in the sector is that, you know, my key hallmark of success, I just said it two minutes ago, right, is how much money have you raised or what's your next fundraising milestone? Like funding is an enabler. It's not the outcome. The mm. outcome is revenue and profitability. And I think there's too much, at least in this sector focused on, you know, I attended this conference or I spoke at that thing or I got that award or I went on this trade junket to the UK or the US rather than how many paying customers have you grown week on week or month on month or quarter on quarter. And for you to unlock the next, you know, amount of growth, can you prove that your only inhibitor is capital and then go seek capital? not going, well, I'd like to raise money because I'd like to make an announcement. And then if we raise the money, perhaps we could get the next tranche of growth, right? So I think to a certain extent, people approach the problem mm. in the opposite sense um, and get distracted by all the other things rather than just focusing on, am I building a high revenue cash generating business? Mm, that's really great <laughs> advice. And I think uh, we should have this conversation maybe two years ago for some of the, the founders <laughs> that listen to this, but um, that is great. And uh, I guess one final thing is like, I know you obviously you've got like a background in business and you're like leading the business here in Australia now as well. Um, but I'm curious if you could go back and just kind of explain one thing to yourself, like what's one thing you wish you knew um, that would have helped you on your journey? Um. Other yeah. than make money, make money. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's obviously <laughs> that's obviously <laughs> the first bit of advice. Uh, I, I I think we followed that reasonably well at Henry. Um, I think it's uh, and it's still something I'm working on at the moment. Right? It's ruthless prioritization. Really, really ruthless prioritization. Like I think one of the hardest things I found about business leadership is intraday context switching like you you you'd know what i'm talking about yeah. right you got to be across like 15 to 25 topics a day mm. and they're just completely different to each other right like you know from uh digital marketing through uh partnership related marketing to are we going to paint a mural in the office to like, you know, blah, blah, investor through to catch up with so-and-so, someone's performance development. You know, there's just so many topics you've got to be across every day. And you actually need to find time and space for yourself to constantly be thinking about what are the levers that matter most in terms of my business? Uh, what's not going on track now? And I am, if not the doer, I am the architect of ensuring that resources are devoted to making sure that lever goes in the right, that business outcome goes in the right direction. And if you're not making space for yourself to think about that, and then not making sure that that's like sort of top three thing every day, 
it's so easy to just get dis- just mm. not distracted but it's so easy to get um involved in these things which are distractions to that thing and i think you know um as we're getting bigger and bigger that's just getting harder and harder um and it's something i've got to you know uh keep myself focused on every day and it's something i think i would uh all of you listeners who are sort of you know SMEs whatever stage they are in um it's it's one thing i've sort of learned like you know going from just me henry australia and to 25 30 people now that we are it's it's still that same thing every day what are the top two or three things i need to make sure i'm i'm on top of today mm, i really like that do you use like to-do lists or checklists or anything like that in your daily routine yeah yeah i do um i i do i do use a like a to-do list app um, we use monday.com task management as, yep. a, as a business i've got my own sort of little to-do list but every morning i'll just be ruthlessly shuffling that kind of going what do i need to make like it's almost like i have to make sure i get through all these i try and keep it to a maximum of six things mm-hmm. before i log off this evening and it may not be complete but get thing here get it to that point which may just be this contract must be reviewed and sent to a lawyer by the end of the day today that's my job um mm. and like i won't switch my laptop off until those five or six things and you start the day like that but you get to 9 30 and your priorities have already changed right yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely how about at the end of the day do you do anything like i'm really fascinated by rituals and things yeah. like that um at the end of the day do you do anything to like take stress off your mind or preempt the next day so like some people yeah. do the list in the evening the night yeah. before so they can go to sleep without the things on their mind. Yeah, um, probably not particularly well. Um, I've, again, coming from a consulting background, we had bad habits of working really late. Mm. And one of the things mm-hmm. that really used to irritate me, and I, I just can't do this at all anymore, is eating dinner in the office. I used to hate that. Mm. And I think in my early days in consulting, I'm thinking about when I was 23, this was maybe an occurrence at least twice a week, maybe three times a week. And I, I I couldn't comprehend when people would like we'd order, I think this is probably pre Uber Eats now, but whatever delivery, yeah. you know, when you actually had to call a restaurant and they would deliver the food, um, and it, you know you'd sit for half an hour in the kitchen and then go back to work, like you'd eat at about seven seven thirty and then pump through till about ten. I I can't I just have this phobia that dinner time like a laptop will not open after dinner. Um, and so I'm happy to work for a couple more hours, but when dinner happens, I will not work. I can't understand the people who work. So that's basically I now I you know again uh, married. We we try and push a strong work life balance in Henry. So we try and get everyone out of the office by five five thirty. I myself try and make sure I'm not working till after six. I think that's the main thing is about how do you optimize your time during the day such that that list you made in the morning you're not leaving anything at the end of the day and that, you know, work doesn't encroach into other parts of your life. Um, mm. I say that about myself. My wife is an M&A lawyer, so she basically <laughs> works 16 hours a day. And so I'll get home and be like, oh, I'm not working anymore. I've shut my laptop down. She's like, don't talk to me. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening. <laughs> no, well, that's that's great, mate. And uh, yeah, consulting wife, I can imagine it's hectic. Never been in it myself, but yep. uh, as is M&A. So, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. M&A is worse, mate. It's much worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I really thank you for coming on, uh, coming down to the office while you're in Melbourne and um, recording, telling us the story of Henry. There is a coupon code that is available in the show notes. So if you want to give Henry a try, why not? I will be. Um, Go and check that out. 
we don't earn anything from it, by the way. It's just in there. I just ask kindly for something to offer the community. So if you are on this journey, if you're thinking about starting your business, you will find this video and the podcast um, also in the free course um, and a link to Henry there too. So, mate, thanks for joining me. Awesome. So great to be on the show. Thanks so much, Owen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, lawyer, investor, or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors as well as potential co-hosts, and of course, I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner, or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the RASC website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.